we, so at the beginning of September, we had a little staff retreat. Myself, Pastor Scott, Pastor Samuel, and Carolina. We went out to Kingsfold for a day. Um, if you've never been to Kingsfold Retreat Center, um, they're not paying me to say this. I don't work there. I'm not involved at all. But it's a beautiful place. Um, get out in nature. It's amazing. Go there, spend a night or a couple nights. Uh, but we, we had this staff retreat, and nothing makes me question my job more than spending a whole day with those three. No. <laughs> Yeah, I'll stop. I'll stop joking. <laughs> it was it was great. It was a great time. But uh, Scott said one thing um, at this staff retreat that really challenged me and cut me to my core because it made me realize something that I lack in my spiritual life. Um, and he mentioned that he wants to be a person that has prayer as his default response, and he wants to be um, he wants this church family to be a community that has prayer as our default response. And the reason why that cut me to my core uh, is because I'm horrible at praying. Uh, well, I'm not going to say I'm horrible at praying in the way that I could stand up here and pray. And I can say a lot of fancy words and I can make it sound like I pray all the time. That's easy. I'm not scared of praying in public. What I mean by horrible at praying is I don't pray that often. And most of my Christian life, uh, I would say prayer has fell down the wayside. Um, I'm great at reading my Bible. This is the one good thing I'll say about myself. I've read the Bible 10 times this year. Um, I'm on number 11, and I'm trying to go for 15. My original goal was five, but it's easy. You know, Everyone should just be able to read it. 10 days, easy. Um, but So I'm great at reading my Bible. I'm great at listening to theological Christian podcasts. I love it. I'm great at reading devotional Christian theological books. It's easy. I, I love um, the knowledge aspect of it, but I rarely find myself sitting in silence or praying with uh, the creator of the universe, with God. Uh, and I, I find most times I pray, it's I'm asking for forgiveness, like, oh God, sorry for um, saying that mean thing, or sorry for that little white lie told, um, or I'm praying for something I really want or need, like, God, I'm getting sick. Uh, I don't want to be sick this week. Please heal me. And I was, that's my only relationship with God. And that doesn't sound like a great relationship to me. And most of my Christian life, um, prayer has just been this afterthought. And that shouldn't be the way that it is. So when Scott shared that at the staff retreat, um, he was talking about himself, but it really, it really challenged me. And then I think it was four or three weeks ago, he said it from the pulpit as well. And so I was like, yeah, that's amazing. We should be a community and I should be a person that has prayer as my default response. I don't want to be the kind of person that has a heart to heart with a friend and we share some tough lesson or just share life lessons, talking through tough stuff. And then I'm like, I'll pray for you. Uh, like this week, I'll pray for you. And then I get in my car and maybe they get 30 seconds of my time. I'm like, oh yeah, I should pray for them actually. Or I forget about it and I don't pray for them. And that's like a problem that I actually have. So if, I, if I've ever said, I'll pray for you, I probably didn't pray for you. <laughs> but I'm up here saying that I, I've been working the past couple, well, past two months, um, I've been working on my prayer life and trying to get that... Um, because if I'm going to be up here preaching on prayer, I should, I should be praying. And I know there's some of you in the pews today that have great prayer lives, um, so you should be up here speaking. Pastor Scott would love it. Just let him know. He would love to have extra speakers. Um, but maybe if you have a great prayer life, maybe you have a mediocre prayer life, maybe you're like me, you just don't pray that often. I hope today um, is a challenge. 
I hope it's a revitalization and I hope it's an encouragement um, in your spiritual life and in your walk with God um, and in your relationship with Jesus. That is my goal today because um, I think if you read scripture, I didn't actually research this, so if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think if you read scripture, every influential person in the Bible lived a life positioned in prayer to some degree. Um, and I think that's huge because if we're, if we're on this mission as followers of Jesus that we've been called to, we have to have a relationship with Jesus. And if, if we're never willing to talk to Jesus, that's not much of a relationship. Um, so we're going to be talking about prayer today. And there's some, there was already some amazing things said about prayer, and I love how God works throughout the worship uh, time. There's just things that relate to what I'm going to talk about. So that's awesome. Uh, I have to explain a social media app first, though. And I was thinking about this. I have to explain an app called Snapchat to people that don't understand what Snapchat is. So here, here goes. Your teenagers know what Snapchat is if you have them. Okay, so Snapchat is this app. Teresa's looking at me like, what are you going to say? It's this app where you send snaps to your friends or pictures to your friends. And there's this thing within the app where, I don't know if it's a thing anymore. I should have asked some of my youth. But uh, there was a time where it was very important. But there is this thing in this app where it's called a streak. And if you, after three days of consistently sending snaps to somebody, you get this streak. And people back in the day teenagers mostly, young people, they uh, took these streaks very seriously. And uh, the more you do it every day, you're sending streaks to keep it going. And these streaks get into like thousands of days, thousands, like crazy. It's a lot of work. So um, I used to be a youth pastor at Brentview Baptist Church. Um, they're not a part of CBWC. They're actually worse than us. <laughs> if I have any Brentview people watching, or if you ever watch this, I'm kidding. They're, they're an amazing church, awesome. But I was a youth pastor at Brentview Baptist Church. In 2015, we took uh, our youth group, which was quite a large group, we took them to this concert in Edmonton called YC. Oh, sorry, it's in Red Deer at the time, um, called YC. It's this three-day-long concert, Christian concert. It's awesome. It doesn't happen much. I don't think it happens at all anymore, so it's kind of sad. But we were up there for this concert, and one of our leaders sisters, I don't even know who it was. We had a house to stay in on an acreage outside Red Deer. And you don't have the greatest reception out there. Um, these kids don't pay for their own phone bills, uh, so they can't use data. Um, I luckily got the Wi-Fi from the homeowner, but she didn't want to give it to the teenagers. So on the Friday night, we get back. I'm down, we're downstairs, it's late at night, and I'm on my phone. There's probably like 30 of us in this basement, all the guys in the basement. And then instantly, they all realize that they're not going to be able to continue their Snapchat streaks. And they're like, you could just sense the like fear. And they were like, Eric, they're like on their hands and knees begging. They're like, Eric, you're the only one with a working phone. Can I use your phone to log into my Snapchat to keep my streaks going? And they were, it was crazy. I've never seen people so serious about something. And I eventually caved. So for like an hour and a half, they're passing my phone around, and they're sending snaps, get, keeping the streaks alive. And some of them were proactive enough to give their friends their login info, because they're like, I'm not sure if I'll be able to do it while I'm away. So their friends are keeping the streak going while they're gone, which is crazy. Um, but I think it's a cool illustration. 
um, for what I want to talk about today, because we have streaks in life too, and in our spiritual life. And there's a powerful momentum that builds with every small decision that you make on a daily basis. And I think that can be in a negative direction or a positive direction. I eat, well, I, should, I eat a lot of McDonald's. It's probably heading in a negative direction for me, um, physically, right? I, uh, I drink a lot of Coca-Cola. I think that's good though, it's healthy. It burns stuff in your throat, so you're good. <laughs> if you're ever sick, drink a Coke. That's what my parents say. My parents are here today. Um, but no, every small decision you make, um, it builds momentum more than we realize, and real authentic change comes from consistency. So I believe in our personal life and as a community that we can make prayer a consistent thing that we do. Um, we can build momentum and be a people and a community that lives a life positioned in prayer. Because when Scott said that, and when I heard that, that's amazing. I, I love that. I, uh, the fact that we're a community of believers, um, disciples of Jesus, that get together, live life together, and pray together. Um, but that's easier said than done. Like, for instance, we have a constant prayer coming up, and I don't really want to go. It's Wednesday night. That's one of my nights I can be home. One of the nights I don't have to be at the church. But then I'm challenged, like, I'm going to be up here preaching on prayer, um, and we should be praying as a community. So I'll be there. <laughs> Sorry, Tracy, you have to take the bus to school that night. <clears throat> um, yeah, so I think prayer... Uh, should not be a last resort. It should be a first response. And it should be our first line of defense. It should be the first thing we think of as Christians. Um, so that's what I want to get into today. Um, the act of prayer is transformational, foundational, because it leads us into communion with the God of the universe. And that's kind of a scary thought, but it's an amazing thought. We can just sit down, speak God's name, and the creator of the universe meets us where we're at could be in your car, your bedroom, your kitchen, wherever you pray. Um, God can meet us anywhere. And he can even meet us in the belly of a fish, which brings me to my scripture today. Uh, and I actually have it written on my paper, so this Bible is just a prop. Um, but I did, I copy and pasted it to my sermon. Um, but yeah, and I always preach on the New Testament, so I wanted, I wanted to touch on the Old Testament for once. But I want to read Jonah chapter 2. Um, and we're going to read verses 1 to 10, um, because I think this is a powerful, um, a powerful story, for one, but a powerful example of prayer that we can learn um, three things from, because as God says, we're Baptists, so this can only be three. No less, no more. Okay, Jonah chapter 2, verses 1 to 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again towards your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me, the deep surrounded me, seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down, the earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord my God, brought my life up from the pit. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols turn away from God's love for them. But I, with shouts of grateful praise, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. 
I will say salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Um, that's always a pretty gnarly ending to the prayer, I think. That was gross. Um, so this, I think this is one of the more overlooked um, sections of the, of the Jonah story because there's a lot of cool stuff in Jonah that we like to focus on. Uh, for one, people love talking about Jonah refusing um, to answer God's call to go preach to Nineveh and see revival, and he hops the opposite direction. We love talking about that. We love talking about the storm that happens in chapter one, and we love talking about the fish eating Jonah, and then we, we have all the debates. Could a man really live in a fish for three days? That, those are all the things we focus on, right? But I think this prayer in the belly is the bridge that connects the key moments of Jonah. Um, so God called Jonah to Nineveh, Jonah resisted. If, you don't, if you're not entirely, if you haven't read it in a while, this is like a 30,000 foot um, view of it. So Jonah resisted. He hopped on a boat to sail thousands of miles in the wrong direction. I think we actually have a map. Do you want to throw it up? Um, yeah. So Jonah was called to Nineveh, and then he hops almost to the end of the known world at the time, and he goes to Tarshish. I'm, am I saying that correctly? Whatever. Tarshish, good enough for, for a Sunday morning. So Jonah, Jonah decides this, um, this is his answer to God's call. Um, so he sails thousands of miles away, um, and Jonah's name means dove, which I think is very fitting because he's prone to flying away from his responsibilities, just like myself. Um, and just like when birds freak out, like when a storm is coming, Jonah freaked out when God gave him direction and a mission. And we need to understand, though, that God's, um, God's calling to Jonah wasn't an easy one. God instructed him to go to Nineveh, which was the capital of Assyria at the time. Um, and this is historically what they believe about the Ninevites. In the Bible, they're called a sinful people. They're doing a lot of stuff. But historically, um, they were world-renowned for violence and vengeance. So it sounds like a pretty scary place to go preach, right? Um, I would also run away, probably. And Jonah really didn't like these Ninevites. So he was like, no way. So Jonah hops on this boat. And I love the story because he's sleeping when the boat is sinking. And it's like a storm, boat sinking. And then the captain goes down. And he's like, how can you sleep at a time like this? And he's like, oh, oh I'm sorry. I don't know. I was sleeping. And then, and then they're like, let's all pray to our gods. And we'll see whose God is mad at us. And they're all praying. And then they draw lots. The lot falls to Jonah. And then Jonah's like, oh, yeah, sorry. I'm running away from my God. He created the world and he commands the seas. Obviously, they're freaked out. They're like, why would you do this? Why would you put us in this situation? Like, what do we do? And he's like, throw me overboard. I'd rather die than, than do whatever God's called me to do. But... I think the crewmates get a bad rap in the story sometimes because rather than throwing them overboard right away, the Bible says that they actually tried to row faster. They're like, we can't throw this guy overboard, but to no avail, boat's still sinking. They're finally like, oh, you know what? Toss Jonah overboard. Jonah gets eaten by fish. God provides this fish, save Jonah's life. Um, so that's where we pick up the story in chapter two. And then he's inside the fish, which is already pretty miraculous. Um, so he, he's in this fish, and this is when he does this amazing prayer. Um, and I'm 99% sure, I will leave that 1% just in case, but I'm 99% sure none of us will be in the stomach of a big fish in our life. Um, and if you are, I, I, we need to hear that story. But um, you don't need a fishy experience to relate to Jonah's prayer. 
Um, I think we have bellies that we're constantly in in our everyday life because we live in a broken world. Um, we live in a broken, sinful world. Um, the belly can represent times you feel stuck, lonely, depressed, confused, um, angry at God, wondering if God's there. Um, there's a lot of things in life that can represent a spiritual belly of a fish. And I think we can learn three things from this prayer, um, Jonah's prayer in the belly. So I want to start with number one. Uh, and this is one that is hard for me, and maybe it's great for you. So uh, maybe I'm just preaching to myself sometimes. I think that happens a lot. But number one is pray with explanation. And what do I mean by that? I think even though God knows what we're praying, we need to be descriptive in our prayers because I think that actually helps us personally in our prayer life. I'm amazed sometimes at how often I just pray, pray the most generic prayers to God. I don't actually describe my situation at all. I'm like, God, you know what I need? Help me. Or God, you know what I need? Uh, can you just bring it to me or give it to me, please? And it's like, there's no description. The conversation's like five seconds. And I, one of the cool things I, I like about this prayer with Jonah is Jonah told God exactly where he was, even though God obviously knows. Jonah told God exactly what he wanted to get out of this belly of the fish. Um, Jonah was specific. And if we look at prayers in the Bible, they're always specific. And I think that can help us on a personal level. Um, it's amazing how we have specific worries, but sometimes we have generic prayers. Um, and if you have a need, if you have a worry, if there's anything, I think it helps to be descriptive in our conversation with God. And God wants to hear it. Even if he knows it, God loves talking to you and God loves you. And he wants to, he wants to have this conversation with you. So we need to pray with explanation. And one thing that's helped me recently, um, well, there's two things. I've, I've prayed some prayers from the church fathers um, throughout history, and I find that very helpful recently. But one thing I've also found very helpful is praying the Psalms, because the Psalms is a deeply human book, and you can find a lot of grief, a lot of sorrow, a lot of anger, a lot of happiness, a lot of wondering if God exists. All of that's in the Psalms. And praying through the Psalms has been very helpful in my prayer life over the past couple months. Um, and one cool thing, we can play a matching game with this passage in Jonah to some classic psalm. Um, so Jonah 2 verse 2, in my distress, I called to the Lord and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help and you listened to my cry. And then Psalm uh, chapter 30 verse 3, you Lord brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Jonah 2, verse 3, the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. Psalm 42, 7, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Um, Jonah is praying scripture. Whether he knew that at the time, I don't know. Um, I'm not that steeped in biblical history yet. But uh, Jonah is praying scripture. And I think that can be a helpful start, especially if we find ourselves struggling in our prayer life. That's something that we can do. We can pray scripture. And it can kickstart, it can revitalize, it can just help us get the conversation going. Um, so even if you don't know what to say, my encouragement would be just pray. And that's a classic youth pastor. You gotta make it rhyme, right? Just cut that 10 second clip, there's my sermon. Even when you don't know what to say, just pray. Um, yeah, pray with explanation. And number two, pray with emotion. Pray with emotion. Uh, this is another one that always kind of baffles me sometimes in my prayer life, 
But like when you describe someone you love, they're descriptive words, but they're always descriptive words that are filled with emotion. Like, uh, oh, they're attractive, they're kind, they're loving, um, they have a good heart. Those are descriptive words that are filled with emotion. No one is saying, oh, they're about 180 pounds balding with brown eyes. Um, I hope that's not how Teresa describes me, at least. I had more hair back in the day. Soon I'll be like Pastor Scott or my dad. No. <laughs> I got to get a couple digs in for my boy, Doug. Yeah, he's always getting picked on in sermons. But no, when we, when we describe uh, people that we love, um, and relationships that we have, we describe these people with emotional words. And we have um, a relationship with God, with Jesus, and there's emotion in it, whether we, um, whether we realize that or want to admit it or not. And if we look at the words of Jonah, these are words of emotion, they're words of passion, they're words of desperation. Um, and I think we often try to avoid emotion in church, especially as a good Baptist congregation, Right? We, we like to avoid emotion in our relationships with God, um, but we can't because I think it's inseparable from emotion. Um, if you do not feel any emotion with your relationship with Jesus, I think you probably don't have a very strong relationship with him. That might be kind of blunt, but it's true. We, have, we can't separate emotion from our relationship with Jesus. And I hear it a lot, especially as a youth pastor, you know, Maybe you're too, I lived this too growing up. Maybe you're too cool to raise your hand during worship or somebody cried when they were praying. It's easy to make fun of that. But sometimes I think, man, I have showed more emotion and I've cried and I've yelled at the TV when the Flames lost game five in the, in the, in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs last year. I showed some serious emotion for something that doesn't actually matter. But my relationship with God matters. You can show emotion. You can pray with emotion. You can lift your hands during worship. You can get on your knees. You can take your shoes off. You can do whatever you need to do. But you can show emotion in your life with God. Um, and that's something that I think can um, drastically change your prayer life. I, I had, um, so I was at Gull Lake um, in August for senior teens. And I remember um, I had just preached this sermon. It was Wednesday night, and I think it was midweek. Everyone's starting to get a little tired. Um, I don't think my sermon was that good, but that night, everyone was crying. And it was like camp. Everyone was crying. They were all like just having, they're all showing a lot of emotion. And I remember being in the back just all kind of stunned, like, what did I do to everybody? I, don't, I didn't want to force people to cry. I hope, they're, I hope this is real. And I was just standing in the back, and I saw one leader, um, one camp counselor. I don't know his name. I, I didn't really meet him personally throughout the week. But he went off to the side, and he took his shoes off during the worship, and he got on his knees. And my initial thought is, come on, dude. That's, like, you're showing off now. But after a while and thinking about it now, it's like that's how he connects with God. And in that moment, he felt called to do that. If, we're, if we feel called to do stuff, we should do it. And I think we can show more emotion in our prayer life, and that will help it greatly. So uh, pray with explanation, pray with emotion. And number three, this is the hardest one um, for a lot of reasons, um, but it's pray with expectation. Um, pray with expectation. And I don't want to, 
I don't want to be up here saying there's some horrible things that happen in the world and there's things that happen and I don't know why they happen. I'm not God. Um, and God works in ways that are beyond my understanding because I would, I would do things drastically different. So when I say pray with expectation, um, that doesn't mean that things are just magically going to happen. Um, but God is in the business of doing miracles and we can pray with expectation that things are going to happen because God is working. And I read verses in scripture like, um, God is working all things for the good of those who love him. And I believe that. And maybe in my human mind, um, it doesn't always work the way that I want it to. Things still happen. I'm like, God, why does that happen? Or why didn't this work out in my life? Or why didn't um, you heal this person? Or why did this happen to this person? I don't know. But I think an amazing thing that we learned from this prayer with Jonah is he prayed with expectation. He was already thanking God for what God was going to do. He's like, you know what, God? Thank you for saving my life. I will do... Whoa, there's a fly out here. <laughs> I will do what I, what I vowed to do. You know, so it's, he had this expectation. God is working. We know God is working. And we can pray with the expectation um, that things will happen because we believe that prayer works and we believe that God works and we believe that God is in the business of doing miracles. We believe that God is loving people. And I think we can pray with expectation because when you pray, God makes a way. There's another youth pastor line. When you pray, God makes a way. Um, and my encouragement today is that I don't know where you're at in your prayer life. Um, if you have a great prayer life, I, you should teach me, please. But if you, wherever you're at with your relationship with God, I would encourage you to pray. Um, pray with emotion, explanation, expectation. Just start praying. Pray scripture. Uh, pray for your friends. Pray for your family. Pray for your own needs and worries. Pray for people. Pray for people you don't like. These are all things that will drastically impact our lives. If we start making these little decisions to pray, I think our lives will change drastically. And I know God is at work, and I know he is working right now, and my hope is that you can feel that. And the creator of the universe wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants to talk to you. And that shouldn't be something that we just brush to the side. Uh, and I want to end with this scripture because I think, so I guess the Bible's not a prop. I am using it. Um, I want to end with this scripture from Romans chapter 8. It's one of my all-time favorites. And it's an encouragement to me um, in how God views us. And I think when I'm in, encouraged by the love of Jesus, then that encourages me to pray for things that I need to pray for. So I want to read Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 38 to 39. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, not things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. God loves you, and he wants to talk to you. So let's pray. <laughs> Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, we come before you um, in many ways, God, and uh, there's things on our heart. There's things that have happened. There's, there's just a lot going on in our lives and in our world. And Lord, I don't know where everyone is at today um, in their relationship with you. But Lord, I pray that as we go into this week, 
that we would have a desire, um, that we would tangibly feel your presence, that we would tangibly feel your peace that surpasses understanding, that we would um, tangibly feel um, our relationship with you. And Lord, we know that you're the creator of the universe, that you're, yeah, that you're just, that you're the God that created everything, um, that you look over us, but we also know that you deeply love us um, through your son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that we would know that love this week, and I pray that we would be able to, yeah, that we would be able to speak to you um, and feel that we have a true relationship and connection with you. And Lord, I pray that through that, um, that yeah, that we'd be able to continue on our mission that we've been called to as disciples of Jesus. And Lord, we love you, and we thank you for the beautiful day, um, and we pray this in your name. Amen.